0: Alive and kicking on News Talk.
1: Yes, you can email the show, aliveandkicking at newstalk.com, or you'll find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Claire McKenna Presents. Coming up, why we need to get into photos more and what holds us back, the joy of creative writing, and the importance of nurturing yourself and your baby before conception. So what kind of a health and wellness week did I have? Well, it wasn't great, to be honest. I'm always saying, ah, it was good, and no, oh, it was grand, but it's important to be honest, and this week was a struggle. The kids have been driving me crazy. Lots of their friends are away on holidays. So if they weren't lazing on screens, they were giving out about having to help in the house or they were squabbling, and when I'd finally get them off the screens and outside, they'd be doing all manner of mad things, from playing on the oil tanker to mashing watermelon into the patio all while I attempted to work, exercise, cook, do life admin. I know so many of you will relate. I actually put it up on my Instagram and I had a flood of people saying they felt the same. Um, On Thursday, I just waved the white flag and decided not to work and just make the day about them and we would pancakes for breakfast and met up with a friend and her kids at a park, sat in a blanket, got a 99 and it did just really change up the energy for all of us. And of course, it meant that I was on the laptop that night, but you do what you have to do. And I think the message is you can have one really bad day and then you can always wake up and Have a different day the next day by some of the small choices that you make. And I was also a guest this week on Dr. Mary Ryan's podcast, Empowering Women. Mary has been a guest on this show a couple of times, first talking about her work as an endocrinologist and then more recently on the launch of her brilliant book, It's Probably Your Hormones. The idea of the podcast is for her guests to empower women, but she actually empowers the guests, she empowers women in her work. She has a message of putting yourself first and prioritizing self care and rest and recovery and well being. But I've listened to many of her podcast episodes and she constantly tells the guests how great they are. And she did the very same to me, encouraging me to write a book, to take stock of all I've achieved. She insisted we went for a cup of tea after it. She'd had a long day of a breakfast event. She was then speaking at the Dublin Horse Show. She had her teenage kids in Dublin with her. She was obviously recording the podcast with me and she insisted on taking me for a cup of tea afterwards and having a chat. And then she was driving back to Limerick and this was all at half seven in the evening. She was giving me advice. She was giving me contacts of hers. She was saying there's room for all of us and a rising tide lifts all boats. And it was a truly empowering experience. I mean, we should all support each other regardless of gender, but especially women. There can be so much self-doubt and putting others' needs before our own Sometimes you need to hear it from someone else. You can email the show aliveandkickingatnewstalk.com And speaking of believing in ourselves, photos and selfies seem to be the currency we pay on social media. We do it to connect with our friends, to show off our lives and mark important milestones. But... What if you're someone who is camera shy? Maybe you're that person at family events hiding in the back row. Well, it turns out you're not alone. Sharon Hoggart is a style and body confidence coach and she launched a campaign last year called Get In The Picture. And after its success, she'll be back next Saturday to coincide with National Photography Day. And she joins me in studio now. Sharon, you're very welcome. Thank you, Claire. Thank you.
2: (laughs) So where did the idea come from? From myself and my own personal experience, I was looking through my camera phone and All of the pictures were of my children, my husband with my children. Um, He looked like the best father in the world, (laughs) bringing them to matches, bringing them to, he's a very good father, but it looked as if there was no me. I had, I kind of went, I've erased myself from my own history and from my own family and just speaking to friends about it and, you know, yeah, people saying that they, you know, haven't turned up for maybe graduation photographs because they didn't feel good in themselves and they're not, you know, they're not showing them online or they haven't got them framed at home. People just not getting into the picture because they don't feel they're perfect. And, you know, in this kind of, as you said, this world that we can edit, delete and erase ourselves in a second with one swipe of our finger. um, I suppose my call is to get into the picture imperfectly, you know, as you are. Because now that we can see the photo, you're right. I mean, I hear time and
1: time again from my friendship group, delete that. Let's go again. <laughs> this arm out, carry yeah. on that we're at. And like yeah. you suck in a little bit harder and stand a little yeah. bit higher. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like we've all got a belly. You know, when you put your arm up against your body, yeah. it, like it does look a
2: little bit wider. What's wrong with that? Why have we... I, yeah, it is. I, 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 even it's so funny because it's all everybody does, but everyone zooms in on themselves. Like it's, you know, you know, you the group photograph on a night out, everyone's having a great time. And what you do is you zoom in yourself next door, Mary zooming in on herself and, you know, Roisin zooming in on herself. And we're just so critical of ourselves. And it's just, I did, I actually put up a post the other day of myself. I had a photo shoot for, you know, for work for um, recently, which is enough to <laughs> put the fear of God into anybody. Um, and there was one photograph, which was lovely. with me dreaming, looking off into the distance. And what did I do? I zoomed in. And where are the back rolls? Because <laughs> it's kind of from the back and from the side. And I said, you know what, now I'm not going to delete myself and erase myself. You know, we have back rolls, we have tummies, we have, as you say, we ha- and we have these rules, stand at the back, who's, you know, everyone runs in or stands in the middle so that everyone kind of, you can kind of conceal yourself um, yeah, standing we, on the end is not really oh, the place the to be. you got the short straw. <laughs> it's, like, uh, uh, it's like, loser. You literally got the short straw if you're at the end. You've nowhere to hide. And the more we see it, this thing called mere exposure, I suppose, the more we see this, and I hate to call it imperfection, but, you know, it's in a perfect... Reality. Let's call it reality. Reality, exactly. The more we see it of ourselves, the more we are accepting of it. But the more other people see it as well, the more it becomes... And even to populate your feed with that, it's just good to see reality. And you're so right. I
1: mean, I've put up pictures on Instagram of groups that some of the girls come back to me and said, like, you know, their eyes are closed or they're mid-sentence. And I didn't even look at them because I was too busy looking at myself. And like, you know, I was a bit taken aback by that. But you're right. We zoom in on ourselves. We're like, okay, that's an okay picture. And up I go. And, you know, I'm obviously assuming that I, I think everybody looks great. Yeah. Um, but then they'll have a problem and it's because I didn't bother looking at them. I was too busy looking at myself. But I'm impressed that you turned the focus on yourself in these photos. I actually blame my husband that there's not enough photographs of me and the kids because I'm the one taking the photos all the time and taking the moments. Um, But invariably when he does ask me to take one and say, say, hop in there, like, I'm not not mad on it, but sure. look. That's what we want because we want to be able to look back at photographs and be there.
2: Yeah. Uh, and I suppose that was it. when I had the idea last year I suppose the day was amazing and the people presenting their photographs and the different pictures and everybody there was people with dogs people with their daughters people with their sons it was just a really beautiful day um, of diversity and celebrating that. You know we don't want to look back Yes. And not be in the picture. Yes, so that we were, like, we were, you know, we are erasing ourselves from, from, the, from the picture. And it was just, you know, and I feel like if you're erasing yourself from the picture, what else are you erasing yourself from? Is there other places that you're not stepping up and you're not um, stepping, hiding, I suppose, and holding yourself back?
1: And tell us a bit about your work, because that's something you see all of the
2: time. Tell me about the people you work with. This was born, I suppose, from an idea that I was speaking with a lady and I, you know, I'm a, style and body confidence coach, when I was working with them, it's kind of, you know, what what are you not doing? What are you holding yourself back from doing? Because you don't feel confident or you don't feel, you're, you know, you're that you're the right size, whatever the right size, the right weight is. And one of the things came up was one lady, she had not taken an official photograph of herself and she was a, a president of a network group for a whole year. And I just that's when I I just got literally goosebumps and said, we are erasing our history here instead of looking at, you know, and I'm not taking away or diminishing that she didn't feel comfortable in herself and she didn't feel confident, but tried to focus on the achievements of that amazing, you know, to be president of 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 something or for, you know, to graduate or, you know, for the celebration to take the focus off your physical body, I suppose, and to balance it out with the occasion. Um, and the, uh, what I was saying earlier was the stories, it was, it was the stories. The photographs were amazing, but it was the stories behind the photographs. There was one lady saying that she'd lost her husband um, quite young to cancer. And she, they're her most treasured possessions now, those pictures. Does she care that his eyes were closed or that he was, you know, caught at a side angle. Does she care that she was? No. Um, and there was just all of these stories started to appear. Another lady was saying that she wanted to show her daughter. She'd hidden for so many years and she had issues around her body and confidence and she wanted to show her daughter it's safe to be seen and it's safe to and it's safe to be seen as you saying imperfectly reality the way you are
1: and we are held to quite a high standard yeah. though aren't we yeah. from the beauty industry um there are filters we can add there's face tuning so when we see an image of somebody we don't know the reality Behind that, and I, I even think, I'm glad we're starting to talk a lot more now about something like the red carpet now at the Oscars. Yes, Like, have those people eaten balanced meals yeah. in the weeks yeah. leading up to it? Are they going under the surgeon's knife to mm-hmm. look a certain mm-hmm. way? Are they taking Ozempic, yeah. you know, yeah. to fit into the designer dress? And not to necessarily pit bodies against each other or people against each other or what other people's values are or to judge that. But we we should be able to see behind that curtain. And I was a fan of watching the Kardashians Mm -hmm. for many years. It's that lovely kind of popcorn TV just even to look into that lifestyle to me. And I can't quite stomach it as much anymore because it's not authentic. They're not really telling us the truth about what they're eating, who's minding their kids. So you're not really seeing the reality of yeah. life. You're seeing an airbrushed image. And and that's what we're being fed yeah. over and over again. And, and to be comparing ourselves to that is just n- not achievable. Completely. And it is.
2: And we do, I suppose, when we get our photograph and we see ourselves, you know, well, the worst is if you're tagged in a photograph, as you say, <laughs> if if you have some control over it, you feel better putting it up there. But if you and it's, you know, that that photograph and you're comparing it to something that is, as you say, might be airbrushed, might be filtered. And again, we're not bashing that, but it's just that you're not comparing like with like um, your life isn't a glossy magazine photo shoot. And I suppose that's not the reason for your photographs either. It's about, you know, even capturing the moment and feeling into the moment and, you know, that celebration or that get together or that um, and that's, I suppose, the essence of what we're capturing the photographs for is as a, as a memory, as, as a keepsake. And as, you know, because we think we remember things. You have kids, <laughs> I thought I would never forget any moment of my kids. Um, and we do, you know, first step, you know, you, for, you forget, but you have the photographs and you have those to, cap, to capture them. So it's, it's really important. Um, and as I said, the more we see the reality, and I think a lot of influencers are, we're seeing a flip, we're seeing a balance a little bit more. We're seeing the polished, dressed, you know, and we've all days if we're going to a wedding or if we're going to something, we will look amazing and fabulous. And then we've days that we're just chilling at home. And it's to, that's OK, too. That's OK, too. And I suppose it's to have that reality. And even sometimes we know that it's airbrushed or it's filtered, but like, you know, subconsciously, we, we still have that comparison because we've been, I suppose, fed it since we were younger and magazines and what we're consuming as well. So it's just to, to call it out, I suppose, and say enough is enough. And
1: how do you help people to get confident about their body and their own style?
2: So you know, I have three steps. I'm a, um, a life coach, uh, body confidence and stylist. So it's the style element because, you know, we all know when you put something on, you feel, you know, you feel and you, you know, you feel good. You, It has an impact on you. So style definitely is is a great tool. And then it is the body confidence side of things. Um, And a lot of work. I do a lot of work. Um, I'm a QTT practitioner as well, um, which would be getting under the bonnet, I suppose, of stories you're telling yourself. And that's for me, it's all it's all mindset. And that's where I suppose I've seen the change myself is the mindset. And just I think maybe age as well. The older we get, we kind of go. There's more important things, just it doesn't matter that we put up the photograph and it, um, you know, you can see your and it's practice, it is practice, like, and so it does take a concerted effort for me to say, you know, I can see my lines there, I can see my double chin, put it up anyway. And um, so it's just, you know, I, what happens if you decided to like every photograph because it's not you can change your attitude and you can kind of say, oh, I had an amazing day that day and I felt and get into the feeling of it and post, I just pressed post. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, when we look in the mirror, we tend to look, zone in on the areas that we don't like. Yeah. Um, And nobody looks at people like that. You know, we're looking at the eyes and we're talking and we're busy worrying about our own hang ups without necessarily judging others. But. The world can be cruel and I'm sure you work with people that the stories they begin to tell themselves
2: about their bodies may have started from a comment when they they were kids. As you say, it could be something so insignificant, but then you start building it and you start believing it. It could be like, they won't tie their hair back because somebody said they looked like a pixie. And that kind of could be Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, seem silly to somebody else, but it's actually not if it's their reality and you build on this and... you. So it's to, you know, I have tools that I can help people with to deal to deal with that. And then you have the clothes that are kind of, I suppose, the polishing of the, you know, the diamond at the end, which is lovely.
1: Yeah. And I would always say to people when you really start to take care of yourself and do things because you love yourself, not because you hate yourself. So whether that's moving your body or eating well or allowing joy to come into your food choices instead of restriction. Yeah. That sort of changes it. I find when I'm getting a bit more regular with going for my walks or going to the gym, I'm looking in the mirror and I'm starting to see, oh, there's a bit of improvement yeah. there. Yeah. And it's, it's a mindset shift as you say to start zoning in on the positives yeah. rather than the negatives. Yeah. So you are running this campaign again. Yes. So next weekend, yeah. how do people
2: get involved? So it is, as you say, on the day, take your photograph as you are. You can get somebody else to take it. You can take it yourself. It can be with your kids, your dogs. It doesn't you know, with who, whomever. And you upload it to Instagram. Tag Sharon Huggard and then hashtag get in the picture. Um, and it's just such a lot. And then I repost them all. So you will get to see them coming in like they came in last year from all around the world. They came in from Bali, Australia, New Zealand and it's just, as you say, it's just, there was just something big, it just, everyone felt part of something on the day, it was really special actually, it was kind of, um, and there was no judgement, it was a really safe place and people were just liking everybody's photos, it was just really a lovely day because everybody, and some people, It was no problem to them, they just put up the picture and other people it was a huge step for them to do it and um, so it's, and you can. What difference would putting up a picture make? It makes a huge difference. One step will make a huge difference. You might go on and do live in your, you know, your on your business page. You might um, do that presentation. So it all starts at one step. And this, and it's just as I said, there's something. It started off as a, I suppose, a local campaign last year, and it became an international. And I would, movement is the word I would call it. It was really special. So.
1: I love that. So it doesn't matter what you're doing. You don't necessarily have to pose it up. You could be out walking the dogs. It can be a selfie on your own. It could be taken by somebody else. Just... Get in a picture, get in it. upload it. And again, you tag at Sharon Huggard underscore, and the hashtag is get in the picture. Sharon, thank you. I'm going to do it. Thank you. I look forward to seeing Well, it. I love getting my photo taken. <laughs> That's why I end up doing what I'm doing. But yeah, I, I'll try not to think of the angle. If I open it on selfie and it's from below, I'll just post that one anyway, right?
2: <laughs> Absolutely. look forward to seeing it, Claire.
1: <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Alive
0: and kicking. On News Talk.
1: Now, optimising the health of our next generation is no easy feat. However, one former midwife and nutritionist in Ireland has some ambitious plans. Cathy White, the founder of Nurture Mum, has come up with the concept of a pregnancy health hub, a setting in which people can optimise their health before, during, or following pregnancy. She joins me in studio now. Cathy, you're very welcome. Thank you so much, Claire. So, you started out as a midwife tell people a little bit about when you thought hmm, this is not for me but I want to go another route in caring for mom and baby
3: Sure um, I loved midwifery I loved babies but I guess I wasn't really a born midwife but I was fascinated about the pregnancy health journey and even looking at that baby what their future health journey was or would be And where did you want to make a difference? Before the beginning Basically, um, before conception. And that's where we have this unique window of time to make the great greatest impact on the health, future health of that child, and indeed maternal health.
1: And we don't really talk about that enough, do we? And I think, you know, you and I met at an event recently, and, you know, it was myself, yourself, there was another mum there. And it's a very sensitive topic to talk about. How are you eating before you get pregnant? Are you going to breastfeed? These are all major red flags. But what you said, and that really, really resonated with me, we're not looking to wag a finger at women. We're looking to empower them with information and then they can make their own informed choice. There's no judgment around those choices.
3: Absolutely. And this is not about judgment, but this is about giving you the best advice you can. It's translating the cutting edge science to you to understand how you can influence your pregnancy health, your child health and indeed your future health as a mother.
1: Because we get sort of misinformation, like I remember being, it being said to me, sure don't worry, you know drug addicts get pregnant and that, I'm just repeating what somebody said, it's a very insensitive sentence but it gets bandied around, don't worry, that the child will take whatever it needs from whatever you're eating, don't worry about it and perhaps it is something we should think about a little bit more.
3: It's almost been forgotten in healthcare and self-care and it's fundamental So we need to start talking about this more. Inevitably, there will be many pregnancies that are unplanned and women will go on to have a perfectly normal pregnancy and a really healthy baby. However, we know that there are risk factors that can be altered and changed before pregnancy that can change the outcome of pregnancy and that child's future health. And what are those? Well, folic acid is the headline story, really. So folic acid has been around for like 25 years. So there's nobody actively marketing folic acid. And, you know, we would assume that everybody takes it correctly and relevantly, but that doesn't happen. So we really need to remind ourselves the importance of folic acid. And it will it also it has the power to reduce almost every neural tube defect like spina bifida hydrocephalus. So it is so powerful. So women need to take it for at least 14 weeks before pregnancy for the first 12 weeks of pregnancy and really the recommendation is throughout pregnancy to reduce the risk of maternal anemia.
1: And we had started to talk about the first 1,000 days. I had seen that sort of bandied about a little bit. I don't know whether it came from a formula company or the government but the first 1,000 days has started being spoken about, the first 1,000 days of a baby's life and how important that is. But you're saying we need to go Beyond that, so if you're thinking about starting a family and getting pregnant, you should be looking at certain lifestyle and nutrition factors.
3: Absolutely. So I would add a plus to that. So a thousand days plus, which would include the preconception period. So we're talking about folic acid and vitamin D. They're a recommendation and all women, indeed, the general population should also be taking vitamin D. Um, In terms of other there is a benefit in taking perhaps a multivitamin and for women that are vegan or vegetarian or choose not to take fish or fish oils there's really a benefit in taking a fish oil supplementation if they're not eating fish really really important being a healthy weight or as close to a, a body mass index of 25 is really really important. Also, exercise before pregnancy and reducing or cutting out alcohol and smoking cessation is very important. They would be some of the key pillars. And are these for both parents? Absolutely. So the spotlight on preconception health has really been all about women. But this is a 50-50 game. So men are really important in this story too. So men's health, particularly the three months before pregnancy, is important because that's the length of it takes to mature sperm. So we know that risk factors for men include smoking, um, alcohol and things like anabolic steroids. So sort of leisure steroids um, associated with fitness. So we know that they can damage the DNA, um, which can cause issues during pregnancy and indeed around fertility.
1: Do you think it's too much for our minds to take on? Like it's enough to, you know, be a couple, be in a relationship, be working, living your life, think, well, we have a baby, everyone else is doing it and then start to think of the long-term health of that baby. I mean, it's already overwhelming to go and buy a buggy and and set up a nursery or even to start, you know, tracking your cycle and, and, and buying pregnancy tests. There's a whole host of stuff bubbling around in your mind at that time. Is it too much for us as humans to start thinking about whether or not this baby will have type 2 diabetes in their 40s?
3: Okay, we won't go that far with it, but I think (laughs) the time of conception is the time to think about it and not to be looking too far in the future. And it's one day at a time and one step at a time. So I think conception is the starting point and even to plan, you know, to be get pregnancy fit, even for the six months or a year leading up to that, I think is really, really important Um, and not to overanalyse the situation. And a lot of this is really, really common sense. Um, And asking yourself, you know, am I the best environment? Is my body pregnancy fit? And I think if we actually listen to our intuition and our gut with some guidance, um, I think we can do really well, really simply without overcomplicating it.
1: Yeah, and it's about the message I've started to really put out there about nourishing ourselves and taking care of ourselves because we love ourselves. And I think diet culture has a lot to answer for, particularly when it comes to women, because the focus is constantly on making yourself smaller and being restrictive and cutting out food groups all in the attainment of a certain label on your clothing. And when I think back to myself in my own pregnancies, I know I was quite focused on that and quite focused on keeping my body a a certain shape and trying not to put on too much weight so that I could, in inverted commas, bounce back after the pregnancy. And I do wonder about what sort of nutrients was I not giving to that growing baby and, and where were my priorities? And, you know, it's very hard for me to even admit to that, but it was very subconsciously part of some of the nutrition choices that I was making. I often think back before I had my first baby, our son, um, you know, carbs weren't a huge part of my life. And I remember having a chicken breast and vegetables and then going into labour for the night. I mean, what was I thinking? Why wasn't I fueling myself for this major physical activity that I was going to go through? And as I heard my husband having tea and toast in the corner because he was starving. I thought, I'm actually starving too. And I just think that's a
3: real indication of where your head can be at sometimes. It's to be kind to yourself. And I'm a real believer in the 80-20 rule, whether you're planning for a pregnancy or in general life, that 80% on the rails. So you have your five portions of fruit and vegetables every day. You eat your high fibre diet where possible. And the simple messaging around that is, you know, carbohydrates are really, really important. They're our energy source. So going into labour, you need energy source. It's a bit of a marathon. It can be. So it's to be fueled up with den- with nutrient dense food. But if that if before your labor, you fancy a bar of chocolate or that piece of toast or during your pregnancy in moderation, like we need to move to moderation and not exclusion in terms of I can't eat that. And that's a stress in itself. Like food should be pleasure and nourishing um, and particularly around pregnancy health. You know, not you know, it's. As you say, Claire, it's, you know, there's a burden enough around X, Y and Z. But keep this simple, you know, and go back to your grandmother's time. You know, I'm always, you know, when I'm making food choices and I look at it and I can't pronounce the ingredients on something, you know, I think steer clear of that. If you can't even pronounce it, you know, I'm not sure about the nutrient benefit. But, you know, if you fancy that piece of toast or that carbohydrate or your piece of pasta with your chicken and your vegetables, have that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's a place for all foods. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a place for convenience food. There's a place for fast food. There's a place for joy in your health and well-being journey. And I think that's really important. So you're on a bit of a mission to get this information to people and you're trying to set up pharmacies. Uh, hubs within pharmacies. Yeah. Tell us a bit about that.
3: OK, so there's a couple, I call it the three prong approach, really, in terms of really increasing awareness around this and really putting it on the national network, really. So we need a public health campaign around this. We really need to t- tell the story of why this is important preconception health. So I'm leading <coughs> on a strategy to develop pregnancy health hubs in pharmacy across Ireland So my vision is within the next two to three years, if you're planning a pregnancy, that pharmacy will be your go to destination. They will guide you and steer you. They will look at you, understand your health needs, whether that's a referral to a pharmacy, back to your consultant, to your GP and then personalise the supplementation that you require. So we've started this with Mulligan's Pharmacy down in Waterford. Three of their pharmacies are engaging with it. So that's Ardkeen Stores, which is beside the hospital. Tremor and Clonmel, which happens to be my hometown. So really exciting to see this happening. We launch in September, whereby we're going to encourage women and men planning a pregnancy to come in store into Mulligans, engage, fill out the pre-pregnancy health questionnaire, and then we will steer you according to what would benefit you most in terms of your pre-pregnancy health.
1: Yeah, because everybody's different. They're going to have different lifestyles, different genetics, different Mm. factors, So to get individual information is going to be really important.
3: Absolutely. This will be, you know, it's a pilot as it stands. It will be a paper based system. But, you know, my vision, again, sooner than later is that we will have an app. So for people in Ireland planning a pregnancy, they will be able to go into this app, put in their story, their health, their etc. And then it will signpost them out of that to what is relevant for their pre-pregnancy health and indeed their health throughout their pregnancy and beyond.
1: And nourish is my favourite word. You've chosen nurture. And I think they're two really important words because I I think I've said it already, we kind of get lost in this finger wagging health story, you know, eat less, move more. It's sort of like, what are you not doing? And then people get paralysed into, you know, everyone's just doing their best realistically. But with the right information, we can feel really good and everybody deserves to have their energy levels beyond a four out of ten. And, you know, by making small changes and small choices, you can do that. And pregnancy is quite hard. It's quite taxing on the body. So to be in your best health it's better for you rather than you having to drag yourself through those nine months headlong into a newborn, which isn't a walk in the park mm. either. So this is a real optimum time for people to be feeling at their best.
3: Absolutely. It's a, it can be a game changer, you know, for women who take steps to manage their pregnancy or before conception. But again, I just want to reiterate there's women that won't have had the opportunity to plan for pregnancy, but will go on to have a perfectly fit healthy pregnancy. So I just really want to be conscious around that space. But yeah, the more we nourish ourselves, you know, a little bit of movement, exercise, food and, you know, talk to your friends, neighbours, family who've been through pregnancy. Understand what really was a game changer for them in terms of nutrition and health. And there's the most incredible resources evidence based um, available. Um, And I can certainly list some of those um, on the News Talk um, website, like um, I recently met p- with Professor Fenula McAuliffe in Hollis Street, and they have developed an amazing app called um, Holistic, which basically goes down through a lot of recipes and cooking for pregnancy, really nutrient dense food that's easy to make and really accessible. So that's a really valuable tool and there's so many tools out there and we can certainly share some of those with you. Fantastic. Well, look, you're a woman
1: on a mission, and you're going to make this happen. I've absolutely no doubt, and thank you so much. Where can people find out more?
3: Um, they will can find more on nurturemom.ie, um, and we will certainly add some of these valuable, trusted resources to the News Talk website.
1: Kathy, thank you so so much.
3: Thank you so much, Claire.
1: Alive and kicking on News Talk. Now, my next guest, Frank Fahi, worked in educational publishing for many years. And when the time for retirement came, he wanted to find a way to give back. He started a group called Write On, inviting people from all walks of life with an interest in writing, however small, to come forward, work as a collective and possibly get published. Frank joins me on the line now. Frank, how are you? Thank you, Claire. And it's great and, to hear uh, that there is something like this Thriving because I worry with the mobile phone, which we are talking to you on now, so it's a fantastic piece of, of uh, technology and, and has brought great things to our lives. But is it stopping us picking up a, pa- a page or actually writing long form with the way we're texting and the way we're rushing everything into smaller amount of characters?
0: Um, it's true what you say and I, I worry myself about <laughs> the younger generation. Are they capable of, of reading long tracks when they're used to the, the limits of things like, like um, Twitter and so on and so mm. forth? That, you know, you only allowed so many characters. But having said that, the book business is still thriving. People are, who, are, who go on alders and so on still buy books and lie on the beach and read them. I think the, 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 the demise of the book has been around as long as I've been in publishing and the old-fashioned book, either hardback or paperback or indeed in Kindle, are still still thriving. And I think they will. I think people, there's just something very special about the feel of a book, about turning the pages and so on. And, um, you know, once, and again, like let's say people who have to go into hospital or something like that, and they're not, you know, they're not able to do a variety of things. A book can be a great comfort in times like that. So I, I, I firmly believe that the book will be around for a long, long time. And now, what about said that, the,
1: the power of on. actually writing and what it brings to the person to have something in their mind and transcribe it to a page?
0: Well, that is, that, that is a wonderful question because that really is the, the kernel of what Write On does. People come to us. If I can give you an example. When we started out first, people joined us just out of curiosity. And they brought in their offerings on a torn out copybook. or one person in particular, <laughs> sorry for laughing, and I'm sure Seamus won't mind me sharing the story, but he came in with his writing on the back of a cigarette pack. And I said to Seamus, Seamus, have you anything written this week? And he said, I, I, I scribbled a few words. I said, would you mind, would you read them for us? And he reluctantly read them out, and then he crumpled up the cigarette pack. He, he read them from the back of the cigarette pack where he had written them, and then he uh, crumpled it up and threw it in the bin. And I said, Seamus, hang on a minute. I said, that was pretty good. That was a good poem. Not at all, it was only a bit of an old scribble, he said. And people were doing that. They had no place to gather their material or they had no place to improve their material. The the self-same Seamus that I mentioned there now, he has been with us for over the last five or six years. His writing has improved so much that I published a book of his poetry called Sisters and he is in the course of writing a full-scale novel called The Stained Colour. Uh, and it's so hard to believe that this man who was writing away for a hobby but thrown away his stuff now is a published author through the auspices of Write of On.
1: You know, they talk now about technology which will allow people to say I want to write a story about world war ii and that's all you have to put in and it will write it for you it'll just generate these paragraphs so it doesn't matter if you're a college what your essay has to be on you could just put in the topic and be generated up this word and these yeah. words and to think that we would stop accessing the parts of our brains that Seamus did yeah. it would be a very very sad day
0: It would be. And I mean, in in fairness, I have experimented with ChatGPT4 and these other other programs. And uh, they don't have any soul. They don't have any emotion. And that is the thing that humans bring to writing, is is this emotion. Uh, I recently published my own book of short stories, um, and I have a book of poetry uh, published. But every single, there's 22 short stories in the collection called The Father's Love, but every single story is based on an emotion that affected me. Now there's some stories there about killings and murders and people dying. I didn't kill anybody in the making of the book and no animals got hurt in the <laughs> making of the book. But, but the emotional um, tone or the emotion, I was affected we say by, uh, you know, by, by an accident or by something that happened in my life and it has never left. But it comes out now in the form of fiction and I can uh, indulge myself by creating a new ending even to something drastic that might have happened in my life or by creating a, a worse ending and say to myself, well, I'm not too bad. I survived that because this is what could have been worse. So through the power of fiction, it is it can have a very good cathartic effect on one's
1: mind. Yes, because you, and, you felt you it and I'm, no chatbot has felt it. They might be able to you know, come up with certain words, but that's not feeling an emotion, as you say.
0: Yeah, I, exactly. Um, I don't know, I, I'm not sure how much time we have for this piece, but I said to you at the outset <laughs> that, I, that I wrote my first novel when I was three years of age. And a particularly popular piece is a piece called My First Book, which is very short. But I think any time I read it for people, some people reduce, uh, are reduced to tears. So what, if, if, with your permission, I'd like to read a very short extract from it and uh, see what you think. Go ahead. Would that be OK? Go ahead. Would that Frank. be all right? OK, I'm going to cut, cut out the the, the, uh, the, the bit. Um, so basically, what's happening here is a young child, child has been sent into the room out of his mammy's way because mammy is busy cooking and preparing the dinner. Back in the day, of course, it's based on my own mother. And my mother was a teacher, and she tries to keep the child occupied by giving him a copy book and some crayons and sending them off. And she hopes that'll keep him quiet for a couple of hours. Of course, it only keeps him quiet for a few minutes. So the child comes back and says, Mama, Mama, look, my pages are full. Mama's thoughts should have been occupied with the apple pie baking in the oven. Himself hates it when the crust gets too hard and brown and the meat for the stew would be overcooked if she didn't turn it in the pan and the carrots needed to be washed and sliced and, Lord, and his blessed mother, she forgot the parsnips. Himself always likes a few parsnips and the potatoes need peeling and her curranty cake was only half ready and the blessed flour had to be cleaned up from the floor and, and... Would you look at my little door, poor Francis, the copybook nearly as big as himself, bless him, and the scrawls all over the pages, sweet Lord, but he didn't half use the crayon, well bless his little heart, the poor manine, and the big blue eyes of him, would you look at the hole in his gansey, oh, sacred, divine, could you ever keep them in enclosed? Mamma, mamma! it's my book, my new book. Mama's hands clasped her head. Flecks of white streaked her beautiful brown hair. I gasped at the way she suddenly looked so old. As I clung firmly to my precious manuscript, Mamma swept me up into her arms, gently prizing the copybook for my fists. She settled me onto her knee. Now, little man, what have we got here? I've been working hard, Mama. Like you said, very, very hard. And I've been writing and writing and writing. And i folded up the whole book. And look, Mama, I stayed inside the lines. And I need a new copybook now. Oh, a book. You've written a complete book. What a clever little man. Who is the best writer in the world? My little man. And in such a short time, sacred heart, Will we read it? Yes, Mama, you read it and I'll tell you if you're right. Exhausted after all my hard work, I snuggled up in her warm lap, cosy, and I listened to her read and I helped her to turn the pages and I made sure that she didn't make any mistake.
1: Ah, that's a lovely window into your beginnings, Frank. Thank you very, very much.
0: And Frank, you have... I'm not sure I'm a sure chat GPT4 would have the emotion for that
1: piece. I don't <laughs> think so. I think you're right there. And Frank, you okay. have Zoom sessions for anybody to join every Thursday from 7 to 9pm. People can find out that's more it. at writeon, spelled W-R-I-T-E on. dash Hi- on hyphen on, yeah dot yeah. I E right hyphen Correct. on dot I E Frank before I let you go you have been experiencing long COVID tell us a little bit about your health oh. and well-being at the moment
0: okay I I, um, I got lost long COVID on April the 2nd 2022 which is over a year ago now I actually got it in Scotland <laughs> long story I was over in Scotland for an event and I came back with long COVID the, the, the day after I tested positive positive and um, it affected me very very badly and um, my concentration level first of all fatigue and, and i could barely get out of the bed i could barely move i could barely walk I, i'm full of pain everywhere i had a history of medical problems before i had fibromyalgia i had rheumatism and um, i had some heart surgery done as well so i have a lot of uh, um medical things done, but I think I was very susceptible to the COVID um, virus when it hit and um, I was really and truly laid up for all of the summer and I got bronchitis. Um, I still have it you, you may hear it in my voice I got bronchitis I'm on um, asthma uh, um, what do you call it inhalers and things like that but uh, um, the worst thing that happened to me is I couldn't read books And from everything I've told you, that that was the worst thing that could happen to me. I couldn't concentrate on a page. I couldn't follow a story. And every year we produce an anthology in Write On, and I edit the anthology with the help of some of the other members, uh, proofread it and so on. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't see the mistakes. And thankfully, Mary Rose Tobin stepped in and she did the proofreading of the of the most recent anthologies. But it was a frightening experience, not even to be able to, to, to watch TV. and uh, They talk about COVID fog and so on, and that's what happened to my brain. Gradually, things began to get better, but I still suffer very much from lack of energy, from uh, concentration problems and so on and so forth. So by no means am I out of the woods yet. Uh, hopefully, I'm still getting it investigated, I think I probably have a team of, of uh, more consultants than anybody else in Ireland at this stage. Um, I have consultants for every, for every bits and pieces and they're still looking. So hopefully at, at least I'm able to uh, get back to writing stories and editing stories and that is uh, I suppose my lifeblood really. I should say, I know I don't want to go on too much but I should say the pandemic was a kind of a boon for the Write On group because we had to give up our physical meetings and then we transferred to Zoom. Now, there was a number of people in the group who who didn't even possess a laptop computer um, when they started, but now they are totally experts with Word, with PowerPoint. What we do is we make movies and we make uh, videos with music, with sound, with the words appearing on the screen for our poems. So it's not just a boring old, somebody comes on and reads their story and we comment on it. That's not what it is. What it is, is a, is a, a complete performance of the poem. And everybody in Ireland will get a chance to see it. Well, they can see it on our website, which is www.rice-on.ie. You can see some of our presentations there. You can also see our offering for Culture Night 2022, which was launched by President Michael D. Higgins on Zoom. And this year, we're going to have a two-hour special in, on September the 22nd. It'll be available on YouTube, and I hope people do uh, tune into it. And it'll be called the Right On Culture Night Special
1: 2023. Well, that uh, website again is right-on.ie. Frank Fahi, thank you so much for coming on.
0: You're very welcome, Claire. Thank you.
1: So that's it for "Alive and Kicking" for this week. My thanks to my producer, Eva Breen, to John Byrne, and to Hugo de Silva Scott who was on sound. And thanks, as ever, to you for listening. I will see you next week.
0: Alive and kicking
1: on News Talk.